Thank you, thank you, thank you, choir, for that. I love this service, and I love getting the opportunity to speak at this service, because I feel like you clap for me when they get done singing, and I get up here to say good morning. My name's Mitch. I'm a lay pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I'm so glad to have an opportunity to bring you the message this morning and uh, connect with you. Uh, from the pulpit up here, and I wanted to ask a question, get a little feedback this morning. Who's busy? Huh? Who's busy? Oh, yeah. You're, you're busy. Oh, you're super busy. You're super busy if you're retired. I know that. I've seen that. You got too much to do. I don't know anybody who isn't busy or doesn't feel busy. I bet we could get into a busy debate, we could get a busy argument going on, see who's more busy, who's busier. I could tell you the embarrassing number of hours my family will have consumed this very weekend with you sports. <laughs> Half the room will laugh at me and say, you only have two kids, we have four. Or you don't have eight grandkids. Or at least they play the same sport. Or you just wait till they're in high school, right? We could get the busy debate could go on and on. I get myself feeling overwhelmed and stressed out by problems and situations that I create. Is it just me? Or is it hard to sometimes hear that God, that still small voice of God at the pace of life that our world seems to demand. Noise grabs our attention. It seems like the things in life that want attention make noise. The police, fire trucks, the ambulances, first thing you don't see them, first thing you hear them. They make noise, they get your attention, they demand your attention. Those alarms demand attention. Your kids make noise, your boss can make noise, Coaches can make noise on the theme of youth sports. What were you talking? What's the big thing about coaches make noise and then whistles make noise, right? But go until you hear the whistle. Don't stop until you hear the whistle. When the whistle gets your attention, then you can stop. But other than that, go, go, go. Hurry, go. Hustle. Hustle. Till you hear the whistle, till it grabs your attention. Uh, we discussed, uh, I, I don't know, even know that schools have bells anymore, but like the school bell, like the first bell, the clang, 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 and then you got like four minutes to get where you need to be. Hurry, because here comes another one. I got informed they're digital now. They're not the analog bell. 9.30 service informed me that the fire bell is also digital now. It's not analog. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, like I don't trust... I don't trust the digital bell. What about smartphones? What about this? What about notifications right here? Ding, boing, noises. Noises and notifications to all grab our attention. They're designed to get our attention. I have, I have the phone thing, the smartphone. I got the phone that had the noise that came on all the phones. Like the first, like the noise that the phones make. Like when they first started making noise, it was like bing. That's the same one I have. I never changed it, haven't updated it, didn't customize it, just bing. So I'm at home, and I'm multitasking, right, doing family time, but I'm busy. 
So I'm painting. I'm doing some painting in the family room. I got the ladder to get, you know, you're doing the cut in with the brush around the ceiling there. And the boys are watching a movie on Disney+. Plus. It's a little ad for Disney+. Plus. Great little thing, the Disney+. Plus. And they're watching this movie, and it has this robot in it. And anyway, they're watching a movie, and I get down off my ladder for these phantom text messages. Bing! Go check the phone. Nothing. That's weird. Bing! Get off the ladder. Bing! Get off the ladder. It's the noise the robot makes. Somebody, yeah, yeah, somebody in Hollywood thought it would be clever to use the bing from the phone thing to put in the sound of the movie for the robot to make when he learns something. Bing! I bet, I bet it tricked me 10 times before I realized it was coming from the television, but who would do that? That is sick. So these things that demand our attention, these notifications, these noises, they all demand our attention and they cause us to hurry. And this sermon series that we're starting off today is based on a book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer with a foreword by other um, proclaimed author John Ortberg. And uh, this book uh, helps us with uh, living faithfully amongst noise, idolatry, and production in this sermon series. Those are the topics we're going to cover. We're going to look at solutions to these three challenges to draw us back to God. And in an ironic way this morning, I'm going to offer you one more thing to add to your calendar. This sermon series over this book, we're going to have a Facebook Live sermon discussion on it on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Facebook Live. You don't have to be there at that time live because our guy Keith in the back is going to take that video and make it available so you can watch it later on in the week. Watch that discussion. You won't be able to participate. You'll be able to see the participants that participated in that. And then he's going to pull the audio out of that so you can even listen to it as a podcast also, all available through the website. And then if you're a, an in-person kind of person and you don't like the 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 uh, internet things. We got an in-person version on uh, Thursdays at 7 p.m. here at the church to discover the, or discuss the same conversations that we're going to discover during our series around this book study. So I want to make it abundantly clear, though, that this is not a simple steps to happiness or a quick fix for our calendar or, or Mitch and Adam's self-help to better steps to being you. Uh, I want to present this material as an opportunity to align our life and our lifestyle in a way that pursues the heart of God. What I hope we can uncover is that our busy, hurried, noisy lives and our spiritual disconnectedness from God are not mutually exclusive. If we want to stay connected to our Heavenly Father as Jesus was, then we need to live as he did. So if you want to turn your Bibles this morning to the scripture we're going to use throughout this sermon series, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, we're going to focus on some uh, famous words of Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' direct call, he is directly calling all who are weary and burdened. Anybody relate? Anybody being called? 
Webster Dictionary defines weary and burdened. We have two definitions up here. Exhausted in strength for weary. Endurance, vigor, or freshness. Exhausted. Exhausted. And burdened. Carrying a burden. Heavy laden. Encumbered. Weighed down. Weighed down by responsibility, by duty, by obligation, by finances, by social calendars, by work calendars, by holiday calendars, weighed down, burdened, and worn out. It is all of these things and more that I want to categorize this morning as noise. Everything that has a spot on our calendar, good or bad or just necessary, it all creates noise to get our attention, our focus, our time, and if we're not careful, our heart. John Ortberg wrote forward to this book um, for, the, for the series we're going with. Um, a famous, he's a preacher and teacher and also author, and he's asking his, a question of his mentor. Um, his mentor is Dallas Willard, who's also a very famous author and teacher and uh, Christian theologian. And Ortberg asks, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be. And Dallas Willard's response is, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Well, hurry is our human response to being weary and burdened. Hurry is how we respond to too much noise. We run from it, we run to it, we get frantic, and we frantically try to declutter our lives, or we reassure ourselves of the righteousness of our busy schedules. Hurry is how we choose to respond to the noise of our lives, and it's a poor choice. Willard's definition of hurry is a state of frantic effort one falls into in response of inadequacy, fear, or guilt. Well, if we're not going to choose hurry, what choices do we have? See, Jesus, though, was faced with weary and burden also. He was not immune to it. He was followed by crowds. He was watched by his enemies, questioned, asked for things, relentlessly asked for healings, for miracles, for favors. But Jesus never seemed to hurry and he did seem to always make time for God and he did so by seeking solitude Luke the book of Luke chapter 5 we read but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed that's the NIV translation lonely places that's a version we have in our uh, the Bibles here in the seats in front of you I like this. Uh, some other translations also read wilderness. Jesus withdrew to wilderness to pray. But I kind of like the, the message translation of this for our daily lives. It reads, out of the way places. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out of the way places for prayer. See, Jesus lived in a desert. He was kind of surrounded by wilderness. It was wilderness, pretty easy to get into wilderness in the desert you know just walk away from water and he was in wilderness 
So I think for me today, we could say something like this. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to the basement to pray. <laughs> right? No, seriously, Jesus withdrew as often as possible to the back porch to pray. Jesus withdrew to a walk around the neighborhood to pray. Jesus withdrew on a bicycle ride alone. Jesus went on a car ride around town alone to pray. Jesus withdrew to lonely places, to out-of-the-way places to spend time with God. So we know from Scripture that during his ministry, Jesus was constantly surrounded by these crowds of people and that Jesus often sought solitude for spending this time in prayer. But what can scripture show us about how he navigated this noise of this busy life and these crowds? Well, here's one of the best examples I could find of Jesus not being in a hurry when I think I would be. I think you may also find that you would have been in a hurry in Jesus' situation as well. I'm going to paraphrase this for you, but we're going to take it from Mark chapter 5, uh, 21 through 43. Uh, we get this story, this, the gist of it is a story of Jairus, this fella who has a sick daughter, 12-year-old daughter who is sick and dying at home, on the bed, sick and dying. And Jesus is teaching and preaching to a crowd. And Jairus comes to Jesus and says, tells him, Jesus, come, heal my daughter. I know you can help. Come, she's sick and dying. And Jesus says, okay. So they start heading that way. I can just envision, like, this whole room, like, all of us, the crowd, like, trying to move, like, through those doors. Like, here we go. And, like, Jesus is in the middle. And we're shuffling. Because where he's going, the crowd is going. Because everybody's asking him things and wanting to know things and learning from and seeing what he's going to do. And as this crowd is moving, a woman touches Jesus' cloak. And I imagine... Like, everybody's touching everybody, right? It's like uh, a cluster of people moving around. It's like a New York City street, and he notices this woman touch his cloak, which would be like you can't, a pickpocket couldn't get something by on Jesus. He feels the woman touch his cloak, and he stops, and the crowd stops. And he says, where's, who is the one who touched my cloak? Where's the woman that touched my cloak? And she comes out, she says, hey, it's me. I've got this chronic uh, chronic disorder, uh, bleeding disorder. I've been suffering for many, many, many years, and I knew if I, if I, if I could t just touch your cloak, I could be healed. Be, I could be healed if I was close enough to you. And he spends this moment with her, and she is healed by her faith. She is healed, and this this conversation happens, and I can just see the crowds watching this, and everyone's in awe except for like Jarius is like. He is in a hurry, right? He's in this hurry and in this time while they've all stopped and Jesus is giving his attention to this woman. Um, somebody comes up to Jairus and says, um, Jairus and says, uh, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has passed away. She's no, longer, she's no longer living. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. And, we're, and they continue on to the house. The disciples, Jairus, Jesus, they're walking that way. Not running, not in a hurry. They continue on 
to the house. And they arrive and they get there and they're at the house and the house. And you can only imagine what this house There's people in the house and it's grief. It's grief stricken because they've just lost this young life. And um, they're in they're in the first early stages of mourning and grief. And Jesus says, why? What are you so upset about? They said, we just lost this girl. And he said, no, she's only sleeping. And they're like, right. Jesus, sure. And he goes in, and he's with the girl. And he holds her hand, and he says, he says, get up. And she does. And she starts to walk around the room. He says, get her something to eat. Right? Like, that was what was wrong with her, right? He's like, get her something to eat. She's alive. Well, that's a miracle. But why wasn't Jesus in a hurry? Well, by removing the haze from the situation, Jesus solidifies his sovereignty over life and death. Before Jesus, the woman in the crowd was ill. After Jesus, after the, after the encounter, after the connection, after the conversation, after she's made known to Jesus, she is healed. Before Jesus arrives, the girl is dead. After Jesus, after the interaction, after the relationship, after she is healed, Jesus is what provides healing and wholeness and life. And Jesus has that time to spend in relationship with everyone. He wasn't in such a hurry to save the young girl that he abandoned the sick woman. Author Eugene Peterson, a Christian writer and pastor, described Jesus as having this leisure um, he, he had this leisure of spirit and heart, and he said leisure is a quality of spirit, not a quantity of time. Remember that one. Leisure is a quality of spirit, not a quantity of time. Jesus was leisurely. Only in the ambience of leisure do persons know they are listened to with absolute seriousness, treated with dignity and importance. Speaking to people does not have the same personal intensity as listening to people, Peterson writes. Jesus listened. He was present. So if Jesus is going to slow down enough to connect with each of us, shouldn't we do the same to slow down enough to connect with him? I want to share another real story about Jesus not being hurried or frantic. On this occasion, Jesus and his disciples, they're, gonna, they're on the lake, they're on a boat, they've been teaching. He's been teaching to a group of people. The group got so large that they got in a boat, pushed off from shore so he could teach to the folks on the hill, uh, on the banks of the lake. And he pushed off to shore, and when the evening was falling, they're going to travel on to the other side. We're going to pick up the story, Mark 4, chapter 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. These were small boats. This wasn't a big ship. And a furious squall came up, a big storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, capsized. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up. And said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. 
Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Man, what a better metaphor for the noise and the uncontrollable swirl and the hustle and bustle and the chaos of our lives than the picture of a violent storm that comes upon us. These men were doing all the things they knew they could do. They were trying all the things they could try, trying not to drown, trying to stay afloat, trying to keep their head above water. Then, and only then, did they finally break down and ask Jesus for help. He's sleeping on a pillow, but somebody has to stop bailing water long enough to ask him for help. We have to stop flipping out for a minute and seek refuge in the one who even the wind and waves obey. So these are great examples of trusting Jesus but if we look deeper, we see these men who had spent time with Jesus every day and watched him perform miracles right in front of them. And yet when the storm is raging, it takes them a minute before seeking refuge in him. They were given all their attention to the noise and to their hurry to address the noise instead of the one who could actually do something about it. We have to recognize this hard truth about life and noise and hurry. Where our attention is, so is our heart. And if we're not intentional about giving time to God, we will cut him out completely. God's not shouting for our attention. Rather, as the psalmist tells us, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Jesus is not in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. The Holy Spirit's not in a hurry. One of the best lines from this book is, love and hurry are incompatible. Love and hurry are incompatible. Comer follows that up with all of my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a preacher, even as a human being, are when I am in a hurry. Amen? That sure hits home with me. My most unchristian moments, my most unchristian thoughts, my most unchristian actions and reactions almost exclusively come in this time of hurry. So if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to grow Christ-likeness, then we ought to, want to, follow his example, to draw ourselves closer to the Father. And if we're going to do that, we have to actively, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And I think Jesus would tell us, start by seeking some solitude. As often as possible, Withdrawal to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Because if we never hear the voice of the Lord calling out to our lives, if we never take time to listen. Amen? Lord, teach us, lead us, show us the way. 
to make time to slow down, to avail ourselves to your voice, to open our hearts to hearing your voice, to not be so frantic. Help us eliminate hurry from our life. We want to lean on you, trust in you, trust in your ability to provide the calm in the storm, knowing that the swirling, whirling chaos is only solved when we look to you for the answer. Bailing water can only get us so far. We can only tread water for so long. In you, we can find rest and salvation. In you, we can find rest for our worry, burdened souls. In you, we can find rest and hope. In you, we look for our guidance and leadership to not be hurried, to be more like you, to, to cultivate a quality of spirit that we are referred to as leisurely. Not, not, seeking, not seeking a time, but a quality. A quality of spirit that can be found in you and our connectedness with you as we seek and begin our search for solitude and connectedness with you through times of prayer.